In today's episode of Trouble with the Snap, we will be previewing a very exciting week five before talking about a major development in the Texas A&M football program, giving some locks of the week, and then hearing from a guest about their trip to Waco, Texas. Hit roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State's Dalen Watts takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Hello everybody, welcome back to Trouble with the Snap. I am Colton Deutsch, joined as always by my colleague and math superstar Will Shemansky. Will, how's it going? Math superstar? <laughs> I like that. Um... You know what, Colton? Diamonds are made under pressure. So you know what? I'm doing well. How about you, man? I'm doing pretty well. Honestly, just looking forward to getting to the weekend. Teacher scheduled class on Friday, which never usually happens. So that's a bit of an issue for me right now. But we'll we'll work through it because I have a good Friday night game to watch. So it's okay. For sure. Um, boy, we, uh, we have quite a few games to go over. Uh, not as many as last week, because uh, obviously last week was a completely loaded slate. However, this week certainly is no slouch. Um, you want to just jump right into it? Yeah, let's do it. So let's start Friday night. We have Utah going on the road to Corvallis to play Oregon State here. I'm kind of in the same boat that I was last week, which where I was kind of wrong. But I think if Cam Rising plays, Utah gets the win. If he doesn't, Oregon State takes it here. It just doesn't sound like Rising is going to go. Or at least if he does, he'd be pretty limited. So I think DJU and this Beavers team has a bounce back from that loss of Washington State. And I think that they hand Utah their first loss of the season. But we'll see. Utah's a really good defense, but I just think without rising, their inconsistencies on offense are going to bite them in, in the butt eventually. And I think that'll happen this weekend. No, for sure. Especially if Cam Rising isn't a go, which I think the latest update or I don't even think there is a latest update on Cam Rising at the moment. Um, I mean, you know, clearly he's been suited up the past few weeks going through warm-ups and pregame routines whatnot, but he's yet to actually see game action. So um, I think if Rising is somehow able to go this week, I, I think Utah um, will win this game. I'm not going to give a score prediction on that, but um, I do think Utah will certainly pull this one out. However, if he's if he's um, still on the sidelines, still limited in what he can do, I, I actually believe um, Oregon State will pull this one off with DJU running the offense. Yeah, and I mean, that game against UCLA, there were there were points to be had there for UCLA. They just weren't able to execute. And I mean, that would have been a 7-7 game outside of a pick six. So this Utah defense is really good, but I don't think that they can get away with scoring seven points this weekend against Oregon State if they don't have rising. But no, let's hop into uh, – Another Pac-12 matchup here, USC goes to Boulder. This will be an electric atmosphere, but I don't think Boulder has, has much of a shot. I think they're going to struggle a lot. I think Colorado is going to put up some points, but they've had no defense, and Caleb Williams and USC are coming to town. So I think USC gets a convincing W. Boulder will put up some points, but I don't think this game will ever really be in doubt. 
I completely agree with you on that one as well. Um, obviously, uh, Colorado played a really complete Oregon team last week and got completely punched in the mouth. Um, it just wasn't pretty up there in Oregon uh, for the Buffaloes. However, they do return home back to Folsom and Boulder. Um, however, they're welcoming you know, a same caliber opponent as Oregon last week, if not bigger. And at the end of the day, I still think UCLA will honestly run Colorado out of their own stadium on Saturday. Um, you know, the only thing that will keep Colorado in this game is just the complete lack of defense that USC has at times, especially if you look at last week's Arizona State game that was really on display. Um, ultimately, though, I do still think even with the defensive woes that USC has, um, it should be no problem at all for Caleb Williams and Zachariah Branch, so on and so forth, to take care of business in Boulder. Let's hop into some SEC play. Florida goes to Lexington to play Kentucky. I think Devin Leary is one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. Before the year, I had him as the best. I think he shows it this week. And while Florida got a big win against Kentucky a couple weeks back, I still think that this is a rebuilding year for Billy Napier in that Florida program. So I think Kentucky takes this, this one at home. Yeah, no, I can I can totally see that. Um, all right, let's move right along here. Um, let's go back to the ACC a little bit. Clemson at Syracuse. Um Pretty interesting game, and I personally feel like this is a make-or-break game for Clemson. Um, you know, clearly, if they're already starting off the year 2-2 two and two in conference play with uh, that loss, especially to Florida State last weekend, you know, they're really trying to get back on track there. And I do ultimately think this does happen on Saturday. Um, I do think Clemson will walk into there, uh, take care of business, especially considering just how close and just how tight that game was against a top-five Florida State team last week. Um, I do have Clemson taking care of business in Syracuse on Saturday. Yeah, Clemson goes to the Carrier Dome. Undefeated Syracuse team with Dino Babers. Garrett Trader, Syracuse quarterback, has been a lot of fun. Have you seen some of his some of his naked bootlegs that he does? He does a really good job of kind of hiding the ball. I have. Those are sweet. Yeah, but, I mean, looking at this Clemson team, it's, it's almost like rolling dice at the craps table trying to figure out how they're going to play. It's just been so inconsistent this year, but – I think that Clemson gets their first conference win, and yeah, I agree with you. If they start 0-3 in conference play, that is very bad. I think they're already almost out of the conference race, but they have to win out at this point. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's certainly not looking bright for my uh, preseason ACC pick, Clemson. Um, I mean, it's still somewhat early in the season. There's still some time, but they got to have a lot of things go um, work in their favor, so on and so forth from here on out if they want to have any shot of competing for a conference title this year. All right, let's uh let's go back to the SEC a little bit. Jump into Georgia at Auburn. Um, this is a pretty intriguing game, if you ask me. Especially seeing, um, you know, Auburn had that loss to AM last week. Uh, I believe that was twenty-seven to ten was the final score. Um, clearly, the Auburn offense was nowhere to be found at all last Saturday. Their offense only put up three points. Um, they got to ten on that defensive scoop and score where Jimbo should have made the tackle, but he didn't. Um, Ultimately, though, uh, I do have Georgia winning this game. I know that, um, you know, the Georgia offense that we have seen so far up to this point has certainly not been up to the expectation, at least the expectation that was set by Stetson Bennett when he spent his past 20 years of life at Georgia, feels like. Um, ultimately, though, I do have Georgia walking into Jordan Hare and walking away with a dub, even though Auburn's defense is one of the best in the conference. Um yeah, I got Georgia in this game. I don't want to necessarily give a score prediction on this one either because I can I can see Georgia winning by 35 points or I can see him winning on a last-second field goal. Uh, but either way, I'm rolling with the dogs in this one. 
Yeah, I think simply put, Georgia crushes Auburn. I just I agree with you. I, I think Auburn can make some stops, but I don't see how they're going to be able to score really anything on the dogs. Yeah, no, not at all. Let's jump into the game. I'll be at ranked matchup here. Kansas comes to DKR for an undefeated matchup as well. Texas, you don't want to be caught looking ahead to OU because this Kansas team is actually really good. I think they're better than Oklahoma. At least offensively, I think that they will give these Texas defense more of a test than the Sooners will next week. But, yeah, I look for Kansas. Jalen Daniels is the best quarterback in the conference. Devin Neal is a very, very good running back. Jason being their backup quarterback, they also use him in some trick plays, and they get him in some two-quarterback systems and sets there within the offense. On defense, Kobe Bryant is one of the better corners in the conference, if not the nation there. So, yeah, this is a game where I think physically, especially in the run game, Texas could probably impose their will on Kansas. And I think if Texas is focused, that they'll win this game. But I think Texas is minus 17. I don't see them covering that unless it's a backdoor type of thing. And I, th- I think this game will be close for a while. And if Texas messes around, especially on special teams like they did last week, I think that they'll lose the game. But yeah, I think Texas gets the win here. I think it'll be by double digits. But I think Kansas can cause a lot of problems for this really good Texas defense. And yeah, if UT's focused, I think they can get this one done. But I think this one could be a close game. But ultimately, I think the Longhorns get the W. I, d- I completely agree with you on that one. Um, I will be honest, though, as an Aggie, it always is kind of fun for me to see whenever Texas has Kansas come up on the schedule like this. Um, there, there have been some great moments on both sides whatnot um, come out of this game in the past five, seven years or whatnot, depending on who you're pulling for. But ultimately, I do have Texas uh, continuing – their hot streak to start the season. I, I uh, don't see that wave of momentum for them slowing down, um, at least this week. Um, yeah, I got the horns taking care of business in Austin. Yeah, that, that I mean, this has been kind of a nerve-wracking game some of the last few years. Bit of a slugfest for a few of them, yeah? Yeah. Texas blew them out in Lawrence last year, but I don't really think that matters. Kansas is much improved. I wish I would have picked them to go higher. I mean, I would not be surprised if they're in the Big 12 championship. I think – Ultimately, I think in the end, though, their lack of depth could hurt them. But I would rather if Texas got them later in the year when maybe they're a little more dinged up. But yeah, I think this could be a really tough and fun game. Well, not I, fun think game I, but. I think I saw something on Twitter that said this is the first time that both Texas and Kansas have been ranked like playing each other since they both joined the Big 12. I think I saw something at least along those lines. Um, well, because Texas didn't play Kansas in 07. So yeah. that's, that's probably right. So I think, uh, you know, since the, uh, both schools joined the, the Big 12 in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, whatnot, um, it's kind of crazy. It's taken 23 years for um, this to have its first ever ranked-on-ranked matchup like that. I'm here for it, though. be a great game. All right, let's, uh, let's pivot here a little bit. Uh, going back to the SEC, LSU at Ole Miss. Uh, this would be a pretty intriguing game. What do you got here, Colton? Yeah, we've talked about how wild the SEC West is, and I don't know. I've I've been going back and forth here. This game is in Oxford, but I don't know. I've liked what I've seen out of LSU's offense of late. If Jaden Daniels can get it together kind of for an entire game and play like he did in the second half against Arkansas, I think LSU gets this one done. But I don't know. This LSU secondary has been struggling. Jackson Dart almost could have a field day with that, but – I don't know. I think LSU is going to win the West, and I think that they get it done in Oxford. But this could be this is a high stakes game for both teams. So I think that this game will actually be a shootout. I really do. Um, you know, especially seeing just how LSU handled Arkansas a week ago. 
um, you know, that was a struggling Arkansas team coming off a loss to BYU at home. And, you know, they were still able to keep it within a field goal. Like, uh, excuse me, they were only able to beat that Arkansas team by a field goal. And so it's very interesting to see, you know, if the, if the Jaden Daniels that played against Mississippi State shows up on Saturday, then, you know, LSU is going to win this game by two scores, if not more. However, if the, if the Jaden Daniels that we saw against Florida State and Arkansas and whatnot shows up on Saturday, this can be definitely a swing game for me. And I would say I actually am kind of like an Ole Miss in this game. I know that Ole Miss is coming off that loss to Alabama last week in Tuscaloosa. However, you know, I think um, – Ole Miss maybe has that kind of, like, I guess, back to the wall right now mentality a little bit. And, um, you know, it's their first game back at home since that loss. And obviously they'll be rocking down there in Oxford. And I actually, I, I think I might actually want to rock with Ole, Ole Miss in this game, Colton. I mean, look, it's a huge game, especially for, I think there's an argument to be made that probably the top four teams in the West right now are, going to be Bama, LSU, A&M, maybe with this injury, and Ole Miss. So, I mean, if Ole Miss wins this game, they really just kind of have to take care of business. If they can beat A&M, they probably have a good chance of winning the West if a couple things fall their way with Alabama. But, yeah, this is huge, huge game here in the West. I don't – I mean, I could go either way here. Yeah, but the key for Ole Miss to win this game, Jackson Dart has to come out. He's got to be sharp. Um, he's got to be on. He's got to be on his game. He can't have some miscues that we saw last week, whatnot. And Ole Miss also has to get the ground game going. You know, they have one of the best running backs in the entire conference, if arguably the country. Um, you know, they got to get him going. And I know I'm an Aggie, and we have Bobby Petrino now. But Petrino's main mantra since he's been at AM is feed the studs, and that's exactly what Ole Miss has to do on Saturday if they ultimately want to pull up, pull off a win against LSU. Yeah, I'm with you there on Dart and. Obviously, getting yeah, Quinchin Judkins involved. He's had a bit of a slower start than his than his excellent freshman year, but yeah, with Dart, he has a lot of talent. I like him. I feel like we haven't really seen a true Jackson Dart breakout game, so this would be a great time for him to have that one. It's a great opportunity as well. All right, let's uh let's jump into the next one here. Notre Dame at Duke. This is also a very intriguing game as well. I feel like I've said that about every single game, but it's just it's just the truth with this slate we got this weekend. Um. Colton, you want to lead this one off? Yeah, Notre Dame-Duke here, college game day for the first time ever at Duke. The Cameron Crazies will be there for football. And, yeah, Mike Elko has done an excellent job to get this program onto a stage like this. But I do think that Sam Hartman and Notre Dame bounce back. I think that Marcus Freeman finds a way to get more than 10 guys on the field on defense and that the Irish take one here. Too soon. Um no, I um I agree with you on that one. Um, as much as I love Mike Elko, and I still miss you here in College Station. Um, as much as I love him and his Blue Devils, I even though this game is in in Duke, um, it's a huge bounce back opportunity for Notre Dame, especially going on the road. Um, yeah, huge huge opportunity here, and I ha- ultimately have Sam Hartman and Marcus Freeman and company taking care of business here on the road. All right. Let's uh, or sorry. Do you have any final wrapping up comments of that game? I'm with you there. I can lead into Anna Arkansas since I know you're gonna have more to say. Please do fire away. Let's touch on Anna Arkansas. Will and I have gone to this game a lot, actually. Even though I don't have much stake in the game, Will is always a homie and invites me to it. Unfortunately, cannot make the trip this year, which Anna normally has good luck when I'm at their games. But yeah, 
And um, obviously the big story that we'll get into more later is that starting quarterback Connor Wigman's out for the season. Obviously that is not good for AM, but they do have Max Johnson, who I still think is probably one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. So it's not the end of the world as far as that goes. I have a lot of concerns about this AM secondary. I have concern about, about this entire Arkansas defense. So I can see this being a shootout. I think it'll be pretty close with KJ Jefferson, but Arkansas or Rocket Sanders might not play. doesn't sound like it. And yeah, I think AM's going to find a way here late. It seems like this game is always a really, really close and in dramatic fashion. AM normally wins. So I see a last second field goal for Randy Bond and the Aggies here. Man, this Arkansas, the AM Arkansas game at Jerry World in Dallas, it's such. It's just pure chaos. It feels like every single time these two teams meet in Dallas, it's just like an entire summary of the 2007 college football season played out, played out in 60 minutes. It, it just makes no sense what happens. Um, obviously, yeah, Connor Wigman, he broke his foot, as we found out earlier today. He is out for at least three and a half months, which, is, as we all know, is the entirety of the rest of the season. Um, so that is a huge blow for my Aggies and um, Jimbo Fish or whatnot. However... Um, I will say, considering who his replacement will be and Max Johnson, um, you know, Max Johnson in his career, he has thrown for 4,627 passing yards, uh, 42 touchdowns, and only seven picks in his 25 games played as a college quarterback. So that's still pretty damn good, even though if he's QB2. Um, anyways, that's a huge blow for the Ags, and I absolutely wish nothing but the best and a speedy recovery for Connor Wigman. However, I will say, even though, you know, unfortunately Wigman goes down, I could not be any happier with who will be leading the charge for the Aggies from here on out in the season. Um, but I will also touch on uh, another issue that, that have plagued the Ags um, in recent memory, but I'll, I'll get on that a little bit later. But ultimately for this game on Saturday, it's – like Colton said, it's a complete toss-up. I mean, it, it can go either way. Um, however, I do still feel confident, even with a Max Johnson-led AM. I do think the Ags will ultimately um, get the dub here once again. Um, you know, the Ags joined the SEC in 2012, and since then, they've only lost to Arkansas once. So that's a pretty damn good track record against an opponent. Um, you know, for Arkansas, KJ Jefferson, he will be the X factor in this game for the Hogs. Um if they have any shot at all of winning this game, no question. It all comes down to KJ Jefferson. Um, you know, the past two times, this will be his uh, Jefferson's third time playing against the Aggies in his career. And obviously he is one and one against us. Um, so the past two times he's played, um, I believe his QBR was like the highest and like his highest career QBR in college, I think actually did come against A&M. Um, just kind of random off topic. So ultimately, I think if KJ Jefferson gets going, um, then this game will be a lot more highly contested, a lot more close. But ultimately, if he doesn't or just has probably an average day, um, I think the Ags will take care of business. And I think if he hasn't, if KJ Jefferson has an average day, the Ags will take care of business pretty, pretty soundly here, if you ask me. I can't decide if I think KJ Jefferson is good or not. I don't know, man. He's such he's such a weird quarterback. It's hard to say. He's huge. He should probably be like <laughs> it's like he and Jalen Milrow have like the same diet plan, like as big as as big and strong as they are. Yeah, he's a monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this game is always crazy, but we don't like that this game is at Jerry World though. College games and pro stadiums suck. I will be honest, I don't really mind it at Jerry World. It's kind of weird, and they've been doing it for over ten plus years now. 
Um, but I do also advocate for this game to return to campus immediately. Um, I feel like every single game in college should be played on campus as well, but ultimately I, I, I guess I have a more favorable outlook of this game at Jerry World than you do, Colton. Yeah, I mean – and I normally wins this game, so that's also fair. But that's, yeah, that's like, also that's probably a huge contributing factor to that as well. Yeah. But I don't know from a from a general college atmosphere, it's got to be on campus. I mean, this game in Fayetteville or this game in College Station is is even more electric because at Jerryville, it feels like you're just kind of far away from each other. Yeah. Like well, that's when a- like when Texas played OU in the conference championship in 2018. And not at the Cotton Bowl. You because you're just so far away from each other. Like there's not really any interaction between the two. Well, the thing is that um, the game has been played on campus three times since Andem joined the conference in 2012. Um, in 2012, it was here in College Station. 2013 was in Fayetteville, and 2020, the weird COVID season, it was played here on Halloween night. Um, and that yeah, has been. Too. I think you did go to that game too. Yeah, You've been to. Yeah, I think I was. You've been to at least one or two at Jerry World with me, and you were also at that game in 2020. Um, the record. Y'all yeah, lost in 2021 because I wasn't there. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, but anyways, I also I think that um, after next season, so after 2024, um, the game will return back to campus. You should go to Fayetteville. I had, a, I had fun there, even though they blasted Texas in 2021. I had a lot of fun there. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, Arkansas fans don't necessarily think too fondly of Aggies, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Just go for the bars. <laughs> That's a really good point. All right. Um, if you don't mind, may I dive in a little bit more to the whole Connor Wigman situation, if that's cool? Go for it. So I know that I just touched on this a little bit with the game preview. Um, as I mentioned, Connor Wigman, as we all know now, broke his foot. He's out for the rest of the season. Um as an Aggie, I can just say this. It sucks. It Out of all the guys that you don't want to lose on that team, it's him, and ultimately he goes down and he's done for the rest of the season. Um, however, I do still 100% believe in Max Johnson and his ability to lead this offense and Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher whatnot. Um, I know that this his injury is a bit of a hiccup, um, a bit of – I guess another, well, not a bit of, but he, he is just one. Let me see here. I have the stat pulled up right now. He, uh, since 2008, there have been eight starting quarterbacks at AM that have had season ending injuries. Um, the only two that haven't was Johnny Manziel in 2012 and 2013 and Kellen Mond um, in 2020. And so the thing that I feel like this ultimately stems from, from the Aggies is really poor offensive line play. Because if you, if anyone out there remembers in 2012, 2013, uh, that a offensive line was led by Patrick Lewis, Luke Jokel, Jake Matthews, etc., cetera, uh, led by quite a few salty NFL veterans and guys who are still playing in the league now. Um, so clearly protection for Johnny back then was no problem. And then in 2020, um, Kellen Mond was protected by what we now call the Maroon Goons here at College Station, which was led by Kenyon Green, Tex- Houston Texans first round pick, I believe a year or two ago. Um, so ultimately what I feel like this boils down to is just really bad, poor offensive line play at Texas A&M. We have had that for quite some time, except for those rare exception years, I just mentioned. Um, so I believe that once the offensive line completely improves, whether that's, 
you know, a, you bring in a new offensive line coach or uh, you just recruit more high-end top-tier prospects on the O-line. Until that happens, I do believe that quarterback injuries like this will continue to happen. This is the third straight year that the Aggies have had a season-ending injury to one of their quarterbacks. Because um, last year it was Max Johnson who broke a bone in his hand. And in 2021, it happened to Haynes King when he broke his leg playing against Colorado. Um, so ultimately, if the Aggies want to stop this problem, they got to bolster their offensive line, whether through coaching or recruiting, and they got to do it quick. Or if they don't, then this will continue to happen. And quite honestly, no one wants to see that. Um, end rant. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was going to touch on it. Obviously, it's terrible for Wigman and wishing him the best. But, I mean, look, like injuries are a part of the game and injury luck is a big part of it. But I'm totally with you. I mean, all these injuries in a row, are, it can't just be related to luck. And the O-line has been a concern for AM for the last few years and especially this year. And, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and Wigman, I mean, that hit can happen to anyone, but he was under a lot of pressure and he got popped. And I don't I don't know if you've seen the clip of the or the the video where he broke his foot. Um, so Auburn had a four man front and they sent, I believe it was either one of their cornerbacks or one of their outside linebackers. They sent him on a blitz. It was disguised very well. Um, he came the blitzer came right off. Uh, he came right in between the right tackle and right guard right through that gap right there. Completely untouched, I might add. And uh, he just went completely low on Connor Wigman's legs. I don't, I'm not going to get into the whole, it was a clean hit, dirty hit kind of thing. It, it, it's football. Hits like that happen all the time. Um, but ultimately, as we were talking about offensive line play, I believe that right side, that right tackle on that O-line is Chase Pesantis, who is a true freshman, and that was his fourth career game. Um, and he just completely whipped on the blitzer. And ultimately, that led to your quarterback being taken out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, Alon's got to improve, and that's why I feel like Max Johnson is a more than capable backup and a pretty good SEC starter. But you know, Wigman could definitely move around a little bit more, which with a shaky line you'd want to have anyways. But considering it's already off losing your backup quarterback have, or losing your starter, having Max Johnson in there is definitely not the end of the world. I still think AM can win almost every game left on their schedule, but I think that, that their ceiling is definitely lowered now without Wigman. The only thing I'm nervous about is that Wigman was a lot more mobile quarterback, as you mentioned, um, and Max Johnson is a lot more of a pro-style quarterback. And so the thing I'm nervous about is that, as we all know, Jimbo Fisher's bread and butter as an offensive play caller for his entire career has been that pro-style offense. So I am a little bit nervous to see just the type of plays that are drawn up throughout the rest of the season because, you know, between Wigman and Johnson, Wigman seemed like the much much more ideal fit for Petrino, and Johnson feels like the much more ideal fit for Fisher. And so it'll just I guess it, what I'm saying is it'll be really interesting to see how the offensive play calling is done throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of adjust to this to this news. But we said it's definitely better to have Max Johnson than a lot of other backups. So we'll see. Big game in Jarrell this weekend. I'm pumped. Either way, I'm pumped, and I'll be there at 11 a.m. Uh, cheering on my eggs. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Pray for me one time, Colton. Yeah, I wish I could make it. But yeah, that will uh, that'll recap 
and that'll close out our week five preview and let's get into our locks of the week segment will do you want to lead us off here yeah for sure um so for those of you that remember we did locks of the week starting for the first time starting last week um that's where colt and i give you our you know our spread our money line locks of the week that our picks and our games that we just like the most so for me i got two games this week uh first off i know the um the first game that I'm mentioning is a pretty big margin here. However, I feel pretty comfortable with the USC minus 21 and a half on the road at Boulder. Um, I'm choosing this game as one of my locks of the league, mainly because of Caleb Williams and just how electric that offense is for USC. Um, You know, seeing how bad Colorado's defense was last weekend against a pretty good quarterback uh, it'll be really interesting to see just how they handle a, an elite quarterback this week with Caleb Williams. So I am giving USC my lock of the week or my first lock of the week. Um, however, I will say though, considering how bad USC's defense has been at times, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, Colorado could actually cover on their own late here. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Sugar Sanders actually, you know, parked his Rolls Royce at the valet and actually, you know, Decided to get his butt in the film room. This game could be a lot closer. Um, but ultimately, I do still feel very comfortable with my pick for USC minus 21 and a half. And moving on to my second game, I am taking LSU Ole Miss. I'm taking Ole Miss plus two and a half. I really like this. Um, you know, seeing just how well Arkansas was able to hang in there last week, especially on the road against a pretty tough LSU team to this point. I have every single reason, at least in my mind, to believe that Ole Miss can do the exact same thing, if not actually win this game. And so, you know, I I mentioned that in the preview just a second ago. I really like Ole Miss in this game, and I am taking the Rebels plus two and a half against LSU. There we go. Two solid picks. How did your locks do last week? I had one hit and one tied. If I'm being honest, I didn't check it. So that's my fault. Um I'll let you know, though. I, I, that's yeah. my fault. I apologize. I know South Carolina minus six and a half hit for me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, for me, we kind of previewed this, but I'm going Kentucky minus one at home against the Florida Gators. I think Kentucky's going to win, as I mentioned. And I think it'll be by more than a point. I think that Graham Mertz in Florida, Trevor Etienne, I think they're going to struggle a bit to score, and I like Devin Leary a lot, and I'm a big Mark Stoops fan, so – I think he's a great coach. So I'm going to roll with Kentucky there as the lock. And I, I'm loving Michigan minus 17 in Lincoln. I think Nebraska has a pretty good defense. They made a quarterback switch, benching Jeff Sims. But I can see this game being close for a little bit. But I just don't see how Nebraska is going to score. And I think that Michigan scoring maybe only 28 to 30 points, I think, could net them a 17 or more than a 17-point victory. So – yeah, I'm like in Kentucky minus one and Michigan minus 17. Very nicely done. I like those picks as well. Um, all right, so that just about does it for our locks of the week. Colton, if you don't mind, I will let you introduce our final segment of the show today. Yeah, so we have already recapped week four. We're fully looking at week five for me. As a Longhorn, I am totally focused on Kansas. I've watched my film. I've put last week's game behind me. But one of my friends, Canavan, who made the trip with me to Baylor, she is not quite over this week four game for not just the game reasons, but she has some issues with the town of Waco, and she's going to talk about it right now. Everybody, please welcome Canavan. Thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah, I have a very big rant about um, the city of Waco. So we get there. And as soon as we enter the city limits, we all lose service. Just completely shut down our phones. Nothing's working. We're trying to call our friends, figure out where to go, because we don't know where anything is in this place. But we can't get in contact with them. But it wouldn't even matter, because we can't call an Uber anyways, even if we knew where to go. Um, so that was our first issue. And then we wait about 30 minutes finally get to the stadium. And the stadium is beautiful. I will give it that. That's about the only nice thing I will say about Waco. Um, and I'm sorry to any Baylor fans that are listening, but I doubt they are because they probably don't have service to listen to the podcast. So it doesn't matter. Um, so then we go into the stadium. We see the Baylor line, which this is honestly what I was looking forward to the most. Um, just seeing all these little freshmen in their gold jerseys scurrying around. They look like little worker bees. And I'm just really sad we didn't get to witness one of them falling down and getting trampled. Um, and then lastly, in my rant, um, I had to talk about the food in the stadium. So I'm a huge soft pretzel girl. I was really looking forward to getting my soft pretzel. Um, and it was extremely dry and hard. It was so disappointing. And I just need to go back to DKR to get a DKR soft pretzel. How was the salt on the pretzel? Um, well, you got an unsalted pretzel, which was already disappointing. That's kind of criminal. Uh, well, it's just there's no flavor without any salt. Yeah, that might have been a miss on my part. Yeah. Well, I did you at least did you, the sodium intake? So did you at least use mustard or something to spice it up? Or no, I didn't even use. Flavor? I just went for it straight. <laughs> you just raw dog the pretzel and called it a day. Mm-hmm. Had to. It's a plain Jane cracker. My gosh, that that right to jail, man. What are we doing? Well, Kevin, you also tried – what else did you try in the stadium? You had a pretzel, didn't you? Yeah. Did you get a hot dog or something? No, no, no. I got chicken tenders. Oh, chicken tenders. They, they're okay. They're all right? Yeah. And it's kind of hard to mess up chicken tenders, you know? I don't know. I've seen, I've seen it done before, though. If, like on a scale of like Cane's, Chick-fil-A. Oh, no. Definitely not on that level. But that's fine. For yeah, Waco, for, for Waco level, I'll give it like an eight, but – what yeah. what about the Uber situation? Because oh, they yeah. kind of took a while. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to get started on like the Uber back. That was just a mess because we stayed till the end of the game, so we had to walk probably a mile to get to our Uber. <sighs> yeah, so Waco is not that is everybody. that is quite the bone to pick with an entire town, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, the drive wasn't bad. No, then yeah, it's like an hour and a half there and back. It wasn't terrible. Okay. I just could not wait to get out of that place. Man, well, those are uh, that's, that's quite those are some quite colorful words to describe Waco. I mean, someone had to say it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't expect much out of Waco, but there definitely were some bumps in the road there. But I don't have. I probably will never go back to Waco. But I mean, I don't. I didn't have that big of a bone to pick. But yeah, Waco's a drive-through city. You just go from Austin to Dallas. You don't stop. Man. That is. <laughs> Brutal showing to be at Baylor Bear right now. You better hope the Waco mayor is not listening to this right now. <laughs> I mean, My yeah. Goodness. Well, look, I mean, first off, I want to thank Canavan for coming on and giving. Thank you, Canavan. We appreciate it. Yeah, she'll. I, th- I think she might have some more stuff to pop into from time to time, give us some updates on, but. 
yeah, I kind of like this. Talking about a new talent that you go to and giving your thoughts. It is pretty fun to vent after a while. I mean, everyone everyone has to have at least one good vent sesh, you know. So I, I felt pretty. I mean, obviously, Cannon got hers out. I had mine with Connor Wigman. Like that that was nice. And I have a lot of good things to say about Tuscaloosa. Yeah, no, for sure. But I guess not the same for Waco, at least for Canavan's sake. I don't know. To each their own, I guess. Um, you got you got anything else before we wrap up, Colton? I think that just about does it. All right. Well, that will just about do it then. Um, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it very much. Um, if you have any suggestions, any ideas, any things you want to see us talk about, cover discuss anything on the show at all you know where to reach us feel, please feel free to reach out tag us and anything shoot us dms etc we are always open to any and every idea you may have uh but with all that being said we thank you very much for listening and we will see y'all next week for week six i believe yep week six well right. yeah break down week five and then yeah talk about week six which is going to be an awesome week as well but yeah thank you all for listening exactly sounds good we'll see y'all then